What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. And I wanted to take all those things that drove me crazy, like not being able to get an answer or let me talk to my manager and I'll get back to you or, you know, or this is the policy and we can't ever go away from it. I wanted to change that in our stores. And so for me, it made it simple. You're listening to What I Know. I'm Christine Legorio Chafkin. Today's episode, The Sister Rule. My guest today started her business out of desperation. She had run a jewelry wholesale brand out of Austin, Texas since 2002. But when the recession hit, her retail buyers started dropping and boutiques started closing. Despite that she was funding her operation on credit card debt already— and was a single mom at the time, she decided to do without those partners and opened up her own retail store in downtown Austin. Today, Kendra Scott Jewelry has more than 130 retail stores, and the brand prides itself on its connections with multi-generational customers, including its refreshingly wholesome customer service policy, which is known as the sister rule. Kendra Scott is also known for its giving back as a company, which I'll let Kendra explain. But I will say that her philanthropic work has given more than $50 million over the company's lifetime. Kendra's inspiration for that philanthropy and for starting her business included her parents and her love for fashion. Here's Kendra. I had all of these amazing people in my life from my mother and my father who were both entrepreneurs in their own right. My dad was a lawyer, but he started his own little law firm taking any business he could. Uh, you know, he says he was a country lawyer, but he he really was an entrepreneur. He had to go out there and he had to gain trust and business and, you know, the same thing. And then my Aunt Joanne was in fashion. She was a fashion director at a department store in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, close by where I grew up. And I got that fashion bug from her at a very young age. So I was, you know, uh, tearing apart my clothes and cutting off sleeves and splatter painting things. And uh, I just loved fashion and design and and knew that if I could be in that industry, that that would be, you know, for me, my childhood dream. So I think from an early age, I kind of knew what I wanted to do. And I also saw that work ethic uh, firsthand from my own parents and what they did to really gain customer loyalty. Uh, my dad had clients that anytime they had an issue or a friend of theirs had an issue, they always referred my dad because of how he treated them. Uh, same thing with my mother. Uh, she was just so amazing with all of her customers. And that really stuck with me on the kind of entrepreneur I wanted to be. So yeah, a really interesting early lesson in sort of always being on too and being ready to accept that phone call and, and help someone or learn something. Yeah. And, you know, and from both of my parents, what was such an important part for me is that it wasn't just about 
making the sale in my mom's case and filling an order, it was really about how can I make them happy today? How can I make a connection? They weren't as worried about the transaction. They were worried about that connection. And we say that at Kendra Scott every single day. Make a connection with our customer first. Make sure we're really connecting with them and the transaction will follow at some point, even if it doesn't happen today. So going back to when you started out with Kendra Scott, this was before social media, and you didn't even intend to have stores in the first place. Is that correct? That is totally correct. My first business was a hat store, and I was doing headwear for men and women undergoing chemotherapy, and then I expanded to sell every kind of hat I could because that wasn't going to be enough. And after five years of running that store, seven days a week, open to close, I finally had to close it. Uh, it just wasn't making money. It wasn't profitable. And I said, I will never go into retail again. That is the hardest business there is. I am never going to do that again. Uh, and here we are, you know, today <laughs> uh, with over 130 retail stores across the country. So never say never. That's the lesson there. But, um, you know, it really, it really was, though, for me, the education I needed to be able to run a successful retail brand today. And so what were your challenges in the early years of, of running the jewelry business? Um, what was that like when you were a wholesale business? You know, in the very beginning, I said, okay, this is going to be, I'm going to design, manufacture, and I'm just going to sell to other retailers. And then they can worry about the rest, right? I'm going to take that out of the equation. And it was great because I did have that retailer's perspective of running a small boutique and knowing what I wasn't getting from the designers and manufacturers I was purchasing from. So I wanted to be different for them. So I would go into these stores and I'd say, first of all, I'm Kendra Scott, this is what I'm doing, and I want you to be successful with my line. If something isn't working, let's switch it out. Let us get it out of your case and put it with something that is working. I'm gonna come in and help you merchandise your case. I'll come in and do trunk shows and I'm gonna meet your customers and engage with them and provide something that I so desperately want when I was a retailer. And all of that extra, you know, work, right, was really, it's the hustle. It's that part of not just filling an order and delivering it, but really seeing it through all the way to the end of the sales process. And my stores were really having success. And they had a relationship with me that they didn't have with a lot of other brands, uh, which was also really amazing. And so as one customer had success, it was, you know, two customers, then it was three stores, four stores, a hundred. Uh, and it kept just growing from there. And for eight years, I ran that business strictly as a wholesale business, selling to other retailers. Uh, and we were doing well. I and mean, we had gotten into some big department stores and, and growing organically. There were a lot of challenges, Christine, along the way. I had no funding, outside funding. I was doing it all on a line of credit and credit card debt. Nobody would invest in me. Uh, it was the time of the tech boom, and I was not a tech company. I was a fashion company out of Texas, which wasn't uh, at the time really, you know, people didn't even know how cool Austin is. Now everybody knows. <laughs> so there were a lot of challenges. And I think for me, you know, I was also a single mom in the early days of running my business. So balancing motherhood and trying to get a business off the ground and growing uh, was a really, a really, really challenging time. But one I look back on now and very thankful for. Yeah. And uh, then the recession hit, right? Uh, 2008, 2009 came around and um, retail started to not look as good for you, right? 
Christine. First of all, you know, buyers that I was working with from the department stores were getting laid off that I had built these relationships with for years. Stores that I had worked with for years were shuttering. Uh, every day it was just like another one gone. Uh, businesses that were really, I mean, we had one order, we had shipped a huge order to a company that was 100 years old. And two weeks after we shipped that order, they filed for bankruptcy and went out of business. So it was incredible time and really scary. And I realized, you know, I could lose my business. Um, and I could lose my business because I didn't have a connection with the most important person. It wasn't the buyers at these stores or the store owners I needed to connect with. It was the actual customer I needed to connect with. And the only way that I could do that is if I had that direct communication with her, right? And that was going to be having to take that risk of opening retail again to really build out a dynamic e-commerce website where there was a customization tool where customers could get engaged and involved and basically really pivot the entire business in a new direction. Sure, we were still going to do wholesale, but the focus for Kendra Scott from 2009 on was customer first. And we were going to build this business so that we could communicate with her directly every single day. And, you know, when stores were closing all around me in Austin, I opened our first retail store. And, you know, and that was literally in the heart of the recession. And we had lines around the block, Christine, to get into this store to experience a retail jewelry store really like nothing that was out there. That is fascinating. And so you kind of used the phrase direct-to-consumer in what you had just said, but this is 2008 before that was really common. Nobody said D to C then, right? Or, uh, you know, it wasn't a hip business model necessarily, although, you know, things were being sold online at, at scale, right? And so you built up e-commerce, you built out your store. Did you feel pressure to get out of Texas, though? I mean, did you feel pressure to launch in New York, launch in L.A.? So it was funny because when I first started, and I actually, I remember being at the NK Accessory Circuit at the Piers, and it was one of my very first, you know, trade shows, and we set up our booth and worked all night, and, you know, our, our booth was beautiful, and we had all these buyers and editors coming through, and an editor of a very important fashion magazine, and we won't say which one, came through and, you know, loved our collection, felt like we were so different, that we had a unique perspective, she loved our use of color, and she asked me where I was from. And I said, I were from Austin, Texas. And she was like, oh. And, you know, and she kind of like raised her eyebrow. And this is in the beginning. This is like 2004, probably. And she's like, you know, you really need to consider moving to one of the coasts if you want to be a legitimate accessory or fashion brand. I don't think you're going to be able to find that success in Texas. And, you know, I just knew that that was one of the things that was our secret sauce, our weapon, was that we were in this dynamic city of Austin, Texas, uh, such a diverse culture of people with the university, such a broad perspective of, of just so many different backgrounds that were here. And I really believe that was part of the DNA of our brand and what made us different and unique. So we didn't look like everybody else. And so moving out of Austin was never an option for me. Uh, it was always part of the brand story and was going to be the part of the future of the brand story. As we started opening stores, I realized also quickly the reason we had lines around the block is because I had developed relationships with the customers and the people here in Austin, Texas for eight years. I was at every nonprofit event, uh, you know, donating merchandise, um, I was just engaged and involved in the community. And that community connection is what was the connection to our brand. And so as I started to expand, I thought, let's go where our customers are. Third store in, I made a mistake. I went to LA. 
And I went to LA because I thought, okay, well, you know, I got to have a vanity zip code. I've got to have a vanity store. All these brands were, you know, in all the cities, New York, LA, Miami, right? So if I was going to be a real brand, I had to do this. And that store did not work. Um, that was the only store that really didn't work when we were starting. And I said, let's go to where our customers are and let's focus on going to where our customers are. And right now our customers are, we're branching out of Austin throughout the state of Texas, uh, you know, going in Oklahoma. Dallas was our second, uh, our third store, 600 square feet. It was, again, lines around the block. Houston, lines around the block. Uh, Plano was a store that we did $8 million a year in Plano, Texas. Wow, yeah. So if that can kind of give you perspective of we realized you go where they are. You go where your customers are. And I think getting out that vanity side of it, like putting up an image that wasn't real, you see so many brands fail. They're paying rent in areas where they haven't developed that customer base yet. How you look at Nordstrom. Nordstrom just got to New York City from Seattle, right? I mean, it took them in almost what I think we we're almost at 100 years <laughs> um, to get from Seattle to New York. So it takes time to build a brand. It takes time to build brand awareness. And wherever you start that brand, I think doing it organically and really listening to your customers is key. That's fantastic. As you started to grow the company, as you opened more retail, um, Kendra Scott, the company grew too. You know, you said you started out, um, you were a single mom when you were starting out. How did you grow the company culture um, to be sort of family friendly, to be accepting of many different needs and um, women in particular's needs? When I started this, I was a mom, you know, first when I started, I took my little baby, my firstborn son with me on my very first sales calls and a little baby Bjorn. Uh, and so literally I wanted to create a company that allowed me to be a present and mother and be there for my kids. And then I wanted to build a company that a woman wouldn't have to choose, that she could have a fantastic career and a company that supported her and she could be there for her family as well. And as we built, of course, same goes for dads. I wanted the same thing for all the parents of my company. Family was always first. And I knew that we could build this. I mean, Cade and Beck, my boys would go to the office with me. I had a pack and play. Uh, my team, we'd be like passing babies around. Then their babies <laughs> started coming to the office. Uh, we would be, you know, like, get out of the door. You have a soccer you know, game. Like, leave. We've got this. We can handle this call or whatever it might be. And it was this village, this community of love and support that we started in those very early days of Kendra Scott that have just continued to grow now that we're 20 years old and have over 3,000 employees, many who are parents. And you know, we respect each other, we treat each other like family, and we also treat our customers like family. So family is our first core pillar at Kendra Scott. We, we have a customer service rule in our stores, it's called the sister rule. It's what would you do for your sister? That's our customer service policy, Christine. Uh, if, you, if your sister has a broken earring, you fix it. If she lost one, sell her another pair for 50% off. <laughs> it's a really easy way to be, you know, to run the company. So family was everything. After my first business, which, you know, I really started, my stepfather had brain cancer. And that's what got me into wanting to do headwear for men and women undergoing chemotherapy. After that business and after losing him and understanding what a short time, you know, we have on this earth wanting to do something good. And my stepfather always told me, he said, honey, use the gifts you were given to leave a positive impact. 
And if you can do what you love, but also do good in the process, um, that's going to be the most successful, happy life you could ever have. And so giving back was really, for me, where, where I found success. I thought in the early days, I didn't have a lot of money, but I could make a pair of earrings for an auction. I could make a necklace for a raffle. I could do what I could do. And to see those little things grow into bigger things and then bigger things like breast cancer research grants and you name it, to now we're at $50 million given back to women's and children's charities. Um, I think for all of us at Kendra Scott, that is what we're most proud of. And that's what drives us. That's what gets us bouncing out of bed every morning because we're not just building a brand. We're doing something that is truly changing the world for the better. Philanthropy has always sort of been part of your story. Um, did you scale it intentionally as the brand grew? Did you have a plan there or has it happened sort of naturally? And tell me about that. It's happened completely organically. Giving was always at the forefront of what I wanted to do. So family, obviously being in fashion and design is what I was passionate about since I was a little girl. So I, you know, that was a big part of this. And then philanthropy for me was give what I can when I can. And in the early days, it was what I could do. And as we got bigger, it was we got we had our first store. It was, well, now we can host events in our store. And we can bring some of these nonprofits that I've been donating merchandise to into the store. And we can build community and we can give back on a bigger scale through shopping events uh, and other events like that. We could do jewelry polls and some bigger donations that we might not have been able to do in the early days that we didn't have the capability to do. And then one thing grew to the next. We were able to start doing a Kendra Cares program in pediatric hospitals where we would bring our color bar experience to patients and they could make a piece of jewelry for themselves or their favorite nurse or for their mom sitting by their bedside. That started in one hospital in Houston, Texas. Now we're in 41 hospitals across the country. Um, and so it really has just grown as we've grown. And we've been able to build, uh, as the companies had success, we've been able to do so much more. And that's what I think we're excited about is we feel like, wow, what is the next 20 years going to look like? When we come back, I'll talk with Kendra about the sister rule and how her brand keeps going viral on TikTok. But first, a quick break. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. One thing you mentioned was um, in customer service, the sister rule. When was that born? When did that come about? And, and how have you sort of taught that throughout the organization? It really started when we opened our first retail store. I mean, you have to remember prior to that, we weren't really working with the end consumer. We were working with buyers and owners of boutiques. And of course, when I would go into those stores and do trunk shows or events, it was all about the customer. But I am a, the customer is my boss. Uh, she is the one that signs my paycheck and everybody else's paycheck. Our job is to make her unbelievably happy and surprise and delight her every single day. And when we were going through, and I'd worked in retail since I was, you know, gosh, 13 years old, 14 years old, I've been working in retail. 
I knew I wanted to run a retail business that was different. And as a customer, really identifying what things I loved and more importantly, what things I hated as an experience of a customer. And I wanted to take all those things that drove me crazy, like not being able to get an answer or let me talk to my manager and I'll get back to you or, you know, or this is the policy and we can't ever go away from it. I wanted to change that in our stores. And so for me, it made it simple. You know, you'd get handbooks this big at retail companies. They'd be like five inches thick of all the things you're supposed to do if this happens or that happens. I was like, let's make it real easy. Sister rule. What would you do for your sister? Now, if you hate your sister, this doesn't apply to you. But if you love your sister, like I love mine, this is going to be an easy way for you to solve a problem. And every single employee, you do not have to be a manager, a key holder, an assistant manager. You can be part-time help, holiday help. You have the power to please that customer in that moment. And we will support you. Your managers will support you. We'll actually congratulate you for doing something, helping that person in that moment. No one should ever have to wait. And so we've just created a culture of warmth. And I think the big thing, too, is that connection piece. We at the back of our stores don't have all these crazy spreadsheets of what are UPT and SPT and how many sales per transaction you have to have today. I don't want them thinking about mathematics. I want them to think about connection. I want them to think about how when they meet that person, are they looking them in the eye? Are they making them feel special? Are they making them feel welcome? Are they having a great experience? Are they enjoying their time in our store? My goal with them is make sure every customer leaves with a smile. Even if she doesn't leave with a yellow bag, you've done your job. Fantastic. What about finding new customers? How instrumental has social media been for Kendra Scott, the brand? And what's your strategy and approach when you're looking at new platforms, fresh ideas, uh, that sort of thing? Well, Christine, you have to think about, I mean, I feel like when I talk about this, this is only 20 years of running a company. But when I started, like there was barely Facebook. I mean, really, that was, that was all there was. And I mean, you say, you say this stuff now, you're thinking it feels like it was 100 years ago that we didn't have, you know, all of these platforms, but we didn't. Um, even Google was not, like, I couldn't just Google and look for things. It was the, it was such a different world back then. So I love where we are today because I can hear from my customer immediately and I can solve her problem or whatever, hear her requests within seconds. I mean, we used to get like letters people would write or, you know, they would like, it was just so funny to think about, or you wouldn't hear about the things, you know, that they needed or wanted. Instagram, I read every single comment. I'm like a maniac. (laughs) I'm sure that's good for you. (laughs) I know. My marketing team is like Kendra, because if I see something, I'm like, we haven't answered back to, you know, Julie R58 out of Idaho. Like somebody answer her and make sure she gets what she needs, you know? Um, But I think it's so great that we are able to have this ability. And more importantly, we can really use our customers as the focus group for products. We can say, hey, do you love this? Do you like this? We're thinking about this. Are there any vintage pieces that you'd like us to come back with? And you all of a sudden have this unbelievable data uh, from your customers in real time. I mean, what an amazing thing um, and something that 20 years ago was just non-existent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I am not an avid TikToker, um, and I am also not from the South, but I hear that Bama Rush is a really big thing. (laughs) (laughs) We were, it was, it all happened organically, Christine, which is incredible. (laughs) Um, You know, I knew about TikTok. I have, you know, 
six children now. So three, I'm a bonus mom too, three of my own. And, you know, I've got in that age range, the nine to 17 year olds you know, of 9, 11, 14, 17. They're really- Wow, a- real Brady Bunch there. Oh, and then we have 18 and 21. So wow. yeah, it is the Brady Bunch. You can't not know about TikTok because I'll be like walking past one of their bedrooms and they're like doing some random dance. And I'm like, what are you like, <gasps> talking to nobody? And I'm like, what are you, are you guys okay? Like what's happening in there? And they're like, we're doing a TikTok. I'm like, oh, okay. But no, so I'm not really that great on on TikTok. I'll be honest with you, um, but I'm trying to under- learn it better. So it was hilarious when our team was like, Kendra, this crazy thing is happening in Alabama. Um, you've got to see this. And they show me like, you know, I'm wearing my Kendra. I've got my Kendra outfit of the day. And we didn't have anything to do with it. It just started happening. They all love our jewelry. We've got this brand that is multi-generational, which is so cool, uh, from literally, you know, middle school to retirement, you know, and you can have three generations shopping in our store at one time. So to see this kind of college generation loving our products and being so excited about sharing them was so exciting for me. And I got on TikTok and said, oh my God, you guys, I love this so much. This is amazing. But it's really amazing. I think it's just wild how certain things can go viral, how certain things just take off. And it's something that I'm still trying to learn and understand, but I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's a fashion and and jewelry designer's dream, right? To be required uniform for a sorority uh, (laughs) rush, right? Well, you know, we. what's so funny is I think starting in a college town in Austin, Texas, that was, you know, such a big thing because we did colored stones and special cuts. So our cuts are unique to us. And so many of the colors that we create within Magnesite or quartz or how we do illusion colors are unique to our brand. And color, game day colors are super important, especially in the South. You wear your game day colors. If you're going to a UT game in Austin, you're wearing burn orange and white. You know, if you're going, you know, so it's like very much about game day colors. So you would see when I first opened my store in Austin, thousands and thousands and thousands of people at the stadium wearing their Kendra Scott burn orange. And that kind of thing expanded because now we're in all these different states with other schools from Georgia to Alabama to you name it. And they're all having their Kendra Scott game day colors. And so that really kind of started it. And then we have a brand ambassador program called our Gems. So we're on campus as well. Uh, Really, they're there to represent our brand, represent philanthropy within the organization or within the university um, and represent Kendra Scott in doing so. So our Gems have really got a great pulse on what these students are looking for, what they want, what they love, and they're able to be our focus group there in helping us design products that they get really excited about. Fantastic. Um, Another strategy you are embracing is brand collaborations, right? What is new in that world? Well, I think, you know, anytime that you can do fun collaborations that bring a brand that we all love and know, but be able to bring a different design twist to it is just so fun for me as a designer and artist, but I know is really fun for our customers as well. Barbie. First of all, who doesn't love Barbie? Uh, I grew up a Barbie fanatic. I would have my entire Barbie like village in my family room as a kid. And I would beg my mom that I didn't have to clean it up uh, before the next morning because I wanted to continue playing. So I've been a big fan of Barbie having the movie come out and us to be able to collaborate 
on a jewelry collection around Barbie is so fun. So we're super excited. It's just fun, I think, to put ourselves out there in different ways and through the Kendra Scott lens, be able to collaborate with these other brands that have their own unique total voice that's unique to them. And us kind of combined our voices together is so fun. So in 2021, you stepped down as CEO. Is that right? Can you walk me through your decision-making process there and how it's been since? Oh, my goodness. Well, after, you know, 20, almost 20 years, it just felt like the right time. I had the right team in place. Uh, Tom Nolan had been on my team for seven years. Uh, I had been getting him to a point where he was really prepared and really ready for this next big step to step in as CEO and knew for me that I really wanted to take this company to the next place we were going. And as chairwoman, as, you know, lead designer still and, you know, chief of creative and customer, uh, I could really focus on what would the next 20 years look like and allow someone that I totally trusted to really take on that more day-to-day role. And it's been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you know, the company, we're doing so many exciting new things. We launched Scott Brothers, which was a men's line that I was able to launch with my sons and really spend time uh, thinking about, you know, new business concepts, new ways that we can grow our brand. I wrote a book called Born to Shine that came out in September. And, you know, that was really important to me. I started a school at the University of Texas, a women's entrepreneurial and leadership institute. Uh, So to teach the entrepreneurial mindset to every woman who would like to learn it. It doesn't mean you have to be in the business school. You can take classes at the Women's Institute. And you can also now get a minor uh, in entrepreneurial and leadership through the Women's Institute, no matter what major you are. And so that has been exciting. I teach Uh, At the University of Texas as well, I teach a class. So I think it's just been fun for me to really kind of look at our company as, you know, where are we heading, but also all the things from a philanthropic standpoint that I know that we want to accomplish in the next 20 years. Kendra, as you were speaking, I was kind of counting on my fingers. Okay, she's got three jobs now, four, okay, five. And she's teach six, six. <laughs> so you didn't take a break exactly. You aren't sipping a cocktail by the pool. Oh gosh, no. You know, I <laughs> I'm busier now. Honestly, and, and I think what's been so fun about this is that creatively, I almost feel like I'm back in the early stages of Kendra Scott because I have so many things I'm so excited for us to accomplish that I can now really focus on. And um, I'm more excited than ever before. You know, I'm majority shareholder of this company as well. And, you know, I just, I'm so proud of what we've built. And to now see my older sons become men, um, seeing their engagement and involvement in the brand as well has been so exciting. So yes, I, I am doing more than I've ever done, but loving it. It's things for me that I'm so passionate and excited about. It doesn't feel like work. So you mentioned your book, uh, Born to Shine, which came out this year. What did you learn during the course of writing it or the course of having it out in the world now? Oh, it was an incredible process. It was about a two-year process. Uh, I had been journaling for a while and writing down different experiences throughout my journey of the last, you know, even beyond 20 years, you know, thinking back on my first business, which failed, the recession, which was so difficult and so scary going through that. And I really, you know, thought, gosh, right now the world was in a very uncertain place in 2020. The pandemic, we were all, you know, it was just scary. It was a scary time. 
And I think from the outside world, everyone was like, oh, Kendra Scott is like on the top of her game. And I was actually going through a very personal tough time in 2020. And I thought how important it is that we share that, that we can be vulnerable. And I wanted to share the things along my path, not just the peaks, but the valleys and going through those valleys and how they were these br- the bridge to get me to the next place I was going and real examples of that throughout my life. That if I hadn't gone through those tough moments, those losses, um, I wouldn't be where I am today. And having other women and men read this book going, you know, gosh, I might be going through a transition with a career, with a relationship, uh, whatever it might be, that maybe there's something in this book that can give you that inspiration, that insight, and also know you're not alone. You're not alone. And that we all go through these peaks and these valleys, but that we need to be there for each other. We are all born to shine, and we all have this amazing light to leave on the world. And it's making sure you're surrounding yourself with people that can find that light within you, but then also helping you find it within yourself so you can just shine bright. Were there any of those peaks or valleys that you didn't sort of recognize until you sat down to really, really think deeply about them and, and write about them? Yeah, you know, I look back, you know, I think about the the hat box and that time of my life and wanting to create this business really for my stepfather who was dying of cancer, wanting to do something to help. I couldn't save his life, but I could do this thing that would hopefully help other people going through chemotherapy and through cancer. And losing that store and losing him almost, you know, very close together. I remember just thinking how much I thought in that moment that I was just such a complete loser and I would never amount to really anything. I had to go back and just get a job. This entrepreneurial dream that I had of like my parents growing up and and being all the things I hoped I could be, I just felt like it wasn't going to happen. And I look now and I, I remember kind of reading through that and wishing I could have told my younger self then, this is happening for a reason. That store was your master's degree in retail. And you're going to take all of these lessons, the good, the bad, and the ugly, and it is going to help you build this future business and just to keep looking forward. Because there were some days within there that I really didn't know if what I was going to do. And it took customers calling me, Christine, from the hat box. And I had made jewelry in that store. And the jewelry would sell the day it would go on the shelf, but I couldn't see my future because I was so like thought it was hats that it took customers calling and asking for that jewelry for me to realize what my future potentially was going to be. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much, Kendra, for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's been so nice to chat with you, Christine. Speaking with Kendra, what has stuck with me is that even while she went through the toughest of moments for her company, when she lost her retail partners, when she struggled to open stores in the right locations, she was always giving back. It wasn't formal or organized, but all in all, it's been highly effective. Her first business was aimed at helping cancer patients. And since starting Kendra Scott Jewelry, even when she was struggling to stay afloat, she always gave back to small local charities, to auctions, and then to large hospitals and even bigger children's health organizations. And since she stepped down as CEO recently, she's been doing even bigger work on philanthropy, working with universities to help educate women founders of the future. 
that's something we can all learn from. What I Know is a production of Inc. Magazine. I'd love it if you could subscribe or follow us wherever you are listening. It'll help make sure you don't miss the next episodes of What I Know. Also, if you can spare a minute, please do leave us a review. You can also let me know what you think about our shows by dropping me a note at whatiknowatinc.com. Our producer, who always wears his Kendra burnt orange to UT games, is Joshua Christensen. Our associate producer is Blake Odom, and our editor is Nicholas Torres. I'm Christine Legorio-Chafkin. Thank you for listening to What I Know. Thank you.